This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Hello, and welcome to another World of UX Podcast. This is your host, Darren Hood. Thanks, everyone, as always, for taking the time to join us on today. A special welcome to those of you joining and listening to the podcast for the very first time. We're continuing today with the Sinister series. We've come to call it for short. And yet another topic has been inserted. So we're still in the home stretch. But I had a wonderful conversation with someone just this past week. And they were talking to me about things that just reminded me of the support system. How critical this is. Actually, I had more than one interaction this past week that that caused this topic to sort of bubble to surface. And when the topic came to surface, I realized, you know what? We haven't really talked about this. And this is yet another one of the traits, another one of these things that you can observe. You can see these things and the way they they function or don't function. And, And over the course of my career, I've seen this massive trending downward of this particular trait. And then when I started thinking about it, you know, how in the world did I miss this? So we want to refer to this particular episode. It's it's an added topic. Yes, it does deserve its own coverage, just like the ones that are upcoming. But it is, this one is so interesting because it was, let, let me take you back in time. I already did this a little bit, but I'm going to take you back in, uh, in time again today to drive home this point about what I'm going to refer to as the support system void. Back earlier in my career, and it's funny how many times I talk to people and they think they've been in UX for three years. For some reason, they think I've been in UX for three years. No, not the case. So when I go back to the beginning of my part-time engagement during my 40-hour work week, where I was engaging in UX work, but it wasn't my main responsibility, uh, I did it when I was actually an instructional designer and the and the corporate webmaster as well, too. And we started a, a web design department at one company that I worked for. And we designed for credit unions across the country using UX principles, things of that nature, not just web designing. You can web design, you can visual design and not engage in UX. I don't know why some people don't don't think that. But the people that I talk to who don't get that, you find out they all have little to no experience. So they won't see it. When you don't have experience, please don't act like you have 20 years. It's, it's just funny, the lack of self-awareness, which is an indicator, as we talked about in another podcast, about emotional intelligence, red flags. So this is really critical stuff, and people should pay attention to that. If you don't have the, the reference points, if you don't have the engagement, if you don't have the experience, and you talk to somebody who does, we're going to shoot you down. And don't... Don't act like, well, most of us will. A lot of us are cowards, so we won't. And a lot of us believe in coddling people, so we don't. I'm not one of those people. I'm not going to coddle you, especially when you turn around and come at me. I'm going to come right back at you. So it's interesting how when people want to act like they have something that they don't and how arrogant and how unethical that is because these people are trying to speak from a broad perspective that they do not have. Their cupboard is bare. So at any rate, um, back in the day when we started that web design department, full support, full support. 
support we earned, but full support. When I got my first full-time job in what we now know as UX, full support of leadership on the team, I was starting to encounter something that I didn't recognize really until later, that there was a, I had a person that I considered to be a senior. They had been involved in work for a while. They had a master's degree in, in a UX related discipline and gave me no help whatsoever. So if you, you think that there's people out there that are like that. I, and, and you think that I haven't experienced people like that. Think again, I have experienced people who preceded me in the discipline who offered me zero support, who offered me zero direction. You know, we talk about how everyone should have a mentor on the job. That we should be somebody at your place of employment if you're working in UX who's providing you with some type of mentoring support. I didn't get that when I had my first <laughs> my first full-time UX-related gig. I got I got zero. Matter of fact, I did more for them than they did for me. You know, go figure. But the leader was was great when it came to support. The other leadership, you have your direct leadership, then you have your stakeholder-oriented leadership, you have your organizational leadership, and we were getting support across the board. It, it was working out really well. After that, I left and I went to work my first creative agency job, and so I went straight from, from the, the fintech into the creative agency world where we supported work for Ford Motor Company and some other corporations. Um, uh, your your uh, Jiffy Lubes and your Compuwares or some other companies that we were doing work for back then. And we had full support from our leadership. It was my first experience with hostility from visual designers, where a lot of times visual designers would get in the way and they would push back and they would give us all kinds of problems. We were trying to do the UX work. That's just... That's just the way it goes. Uh, some of those people actually have ended up working in UX, go figure, uh, these days and, and actually get farther than we do because they have the pretty artifacts to share. <laughs> but at any rate, <laughs> I, just, I can't help but laugh at that. It's it's true, and they're doing a good job. Some of them are doing a really good job, but it still is what it is, and it's reflective of the, the, the discipline-wide UX maturity deficit that we're operating in. But at any rate, we pretty much got a, lo a lot of support internally. We had, I'd say, fleeting support. I, I got pretty good support from my peers. But looking back on it, my, my peers were intimidated by me also. And I remember trying to start at one company. I remember trying to start something where we would come together and we would just meet on a regular basis. A lot of companies do this as a norm now where we would meet on a regular basis, talk about the work we were doing, support one another, offer insights from one another, because there's nothing like getting together with other UX people, because now you're connecting with people who think like you think, who understand what it is that you're doing, understand what you're trying to accomplish, and they can speak the same language and speak from the same perspective. And, and when you do that, it puts wind in your sails. It really helps you to recoup and you're ready to go back out and take on the world again, so to speak. So we, we had pretty good support, but there were some people that were pushing back when I would try to do things like that. And I ended up being like a lone ranger to an extent. Uh, I mean, and, and some people were just downright hostile. I had 
somebody, and I'm just going to tell the story because I'm just sharing everything with you, but uh, I actually had a pair of really expensive Bose noise-canceling headset because we sat in an open space, and I wanted to be able to concentrate, and so I would put on, when I was had to do some head-down work, I would put on my Bose um, my Bose noise-canceling headsets, and one day I, I went to go to the restroom, I took my headsets off, and I came back, and they were gone, and I, I didn't know what had happened. I thought I had knocked them down somewhere. I had no idea. I went right online, ordered another pair, had it the next day. And I, I just went, continued on my way. When I left the company, I found out, and this this fits into what I'm addressing from, from regard uh, to a support standpoint, is that when I left the company, I found out that this person had taken, the person who sat next to me, took the headsets off my desk, stuffed them in her in her cabinet and just decided to never give them back to me. Why somebody chooses to do something that ridiculous and something where, where they would infringe upon my territory like that. And I found out the person was upset because my headsets were like crossing a line between my desk and her desk. I mean, literally by like a quarter of an inch. And the person got upset by that. I found out this person was, there's a lot of things I could say. I'm not going to say, but they were just a very bitter person. And then they would, it's interesting how bitter people know who the nice people are. And then they try to take out their frustrations by behaving badly toward the nice people because they know the nice people are not going to do anything to them. And that's what, what happened in this particular case. And uh, so that was the kind of thing that's reflective of when I started to learn more about the support systems and the lack thereof in certain UX environments. The cool thing that I understand though is that, or like looking back on it is that for the most part, the support system was there, especially from our boss. I've, I've heard very things. Some other people didn't feel supported. I did by that particular boss and they were a great boss to me and they tremendously impacted my career to, and we still interact to this day, but support system for the most part, it was there. From my boss, we had uh, people who focused solely on strategy in that department. They were great to work with. I loved interacting with them. I worked together with another UXer when we redesigned the information architecture for Ford.com, which the vast majority of it is actually still in place. And this is 14 years later. Uh, a great deal of that information architecture that we put together is, is still in force today on that site. I'm proud of that. Um Pretty interesting stuff, though. I went to another agency after that. Full support. The The only issues we started to experience, and this is something that happens in the creative agency world, that we were starting to hire a lot of people from other agencies in Metro Detroit, and the cultures from agency to agency were a bit different. People would bring their culture with them, so whereas the, the culture at our company was, was pretty open and very supportive, it wasn't that way at other companies. So you usually have to wait when somebody came from another agency. You used to have to wait for that person to settle in to realize we're not trying to kill each other like they were at the agency you came from. <laughs> that was pretty much the way that their culture was. And that world is a very dog-eat-dog world for those of you who are unfamiliar with it. The creative agency world is very cutthroatish. But when it came down to the UX work, we had a pretty good a pretty good support system amongst our team members. We, I had really great camaraderie. 
not only with the UX people, but with the developers, I would visit them often. I would treat the uh, folks at the company to donuts and stuff and just walk around passing things out. And this is no small company too. And it was just a great support system. You felt supported. You felt wonderful. We didn't get a whole ton of support from our stakeholders. I mean, I did from some, but not from all. But there were some that were absolute champions, and I, I still love those people to this day. Isn't it funny, the common thread? You notice that? The people who were supportive, the people who were humane, the people who would actually collaborate and were not trying to engage in self-preservation, these kind of people were absolute an absolute treasure to work with and it was wonderful but so over the course now we're we're eight years into my full-time ux operation roughly and and i'm seeing just fantastic support uh, for the most part i'd say 90 percent 10 percent at that stage then off to ibm i went yeah we'll shout out ibm i don't usually call out companies by name this is a company I'll never go back to in my life, I'm sure. Uh, it'd be shocking if I did. And that's when things began to change. I'd been in the the creative agency world now for a good five years by this time. And I, I roughly five years. And I go into corporate UX space. Corporate UX space has always been different than creative UX space. The creative agencies used to own just shy of a monopoly. They used the vast majority of the UX related positions were at creative agencies. And more and more, the corporations were starting to bring this work in-house. They were starting to build UX teams. They were starting to hire UX people. But as I have said many times, they would do this without themselves getting educated about UX, which was a match made in hell, basically because you've got these people who don't understand hiring other people who don't understand. Nobody knows how to hire the HR folks. The recruiters there don't know how to hire the hiring managers don't know how to hire. And that's when, and, and this is also about the time when the boot camps came up and people are trying to get their piece of this UX pie from a salary perspective, but never bothering to become qualified and so this is when the seeds that I talk about in UX began about that same time. Ironically for me, uh, I could have just stayed in that world and would have been pretty much the same uh, for the most part. But it was, uh, I thought that IBM, this is going to be great. I go to IBM, man, this is great, man. You can retire from here. You can stay here for a long time. I came through the door trying to get out because I found out how dysfunctional it was. Nobody understood what UX really was. The stakeholders didn't understand what UX really was. The boss surely didn't understand what UX was. I was working there once and I made over 50 changes to an interface once, presented it to the team, walked them through it. It's one thing when you present a design and you don't walk people through it and they don't get it, uh, but I walked people through it and they still didn't understand what I had done. And, and on top of that, there's a ton of people, so there's no support. Back up. There's no support coming from leadership. There's people trying to set you up for failure uh, amongst the different stakeholders, the internal stakeholders. There's other people. Most of them were okay. Well, I say half of the people who were actually part of the UX team were okay. But many of them, this is when I started to form that um, my understanding of posers, retrofits, and upstarts, their, their existence 
and how they operate and how they came to be in the roles that they were in because the department was half retrofit. It was people who were doing other jobs, but just got brought into UX because somebody thought, saw some, some, um, some alignment between their current function and their forthcoming function. So they put them in the UX team, but they really didn't understand it. And they, some of them surely didn't have the, the EQ makeup required. And especially for somebody that by this time had been involved in the UX world for uh, man, some a, a good almost 18 years by this time, because I started, remember, in 95. It's now 2012, 2011, 2012, and here I am working with these people, and it's extremely hostile, just extremely hostile. People, I actually, and just to just in all transparency, tell this story, I was doing some work with someone where they told me, oh, you know what? You don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. Don't worry about it. Just do this over here. And I followed the person's instructions to the letter only for that person to go back to somebody else and talk about what I didn't do to criticize me about what I didn't do, but fail to inform the person that they were attacking me uh, with and providing the attack to that I didn't do that particular work because they had told me to not do the particular work. Go figure. This is this is when you see this, this sinister stuff starting to come into play in UX. But specifically speaking, with regard to our topic today, there was a huge support system void in that environment. It's not like that through all of, of IBM. And, and the same is, is at a lot of large companies. So this is by no means an anti-IBM statement. I'm talking about what happens, especially in these Thang companies, because they have the reputation that they are just swimming in UX heaven, but the truth is that it depends on where you go within a company as to whether or not it's going to be an optimal place to work and things of that nature and whether or not you're going to have a higher UX maturity level. It depends. A lot of these companies were the ones who were hiring the people to run their UX departments. In some cases, they knew nothing about UX, but they were hired to run the department anyway. And there's other companies where people hired somebody that were well-versed and well-equipped to run the UX operations, but they were the coward that I referred to. And all they want to do is coddle people and groom people. And as long as they keep things moving forward, then folks are fine, but they're not really driving UX maturity. They're not really managing it. They're not really helping people and their departments to grow. And everybody is into self-preservation and into keeping that check coming, but not really trying to accomplish anything of note. There's a lot of people who are well-versed in UX that are guilty of doing that as well. And those are the kind of people who avoid people like me because they don't want anybody they think is going to rock the boat. And they surely don't want anybody that they feel is going to compete with them or make them look bad. So these are also sinister elements at work in UX today. But at any rate, in that environment, the the support system in that environment was like 3%. It was almost non-existent. There were only two people in that entire environment, three actually, in that entire environment that were not hostile. There were only three people in that entire environment that were not toxic there were only three people in that entire environment that were not emotionally and intellectually violent. And, and, and I had to get out of there as quickly as I came in because you, you know, why would somebody hold, hold on to a job that is so detrimental to your mental and psychological, your, and your physical well-being 
Uh, and so, no, you just, you got to get out of an environment like that. So that wasn't good. I eventually go to another environment where I was the first person who was hired that had prior, other than the director, who had prior UX experience. And I've mentioned this particular environment, not going to mention the name of this company. And I go into this environment, and one of the first things that they do is put me on one of the highest profile projects that they had. Now, I, I really, I, this, you know, you gave me the work, I do it. I'm not picky about it. I, I worked at a place once, another little support system void story, where I was brought in. The person who was in charge said that they brought me in to be a senior to the seniors, but I've always been, you assign me what you want me to work on. You know, I'm just going to do whatever you want me to do. I'm not going to go in here and demand to work on the highest profile project because of my experience. That's a bit uh, narcissistic. It's a bit uh, insane, actually. But I worked at a place where the support system was slim to none, where I only the only support I got was from the director. And then when you really think about it, do you have instances where they appear to support you? But when other people do dastardly things, uh, that lets you know that you're not being supported. And so in that environment, it, it appeared that I was being supported, but there were people that were doing so many ridiculous things, including um, there was in that environment, there was a peer review process. And so two of your peers would would actually chime in on your review. And one person said that they felt that I wasn't doing enough work because I wasn't working on the more high profile projects. But I worked on what was assigned to me. And so what that person was basically saying was that if they were in my shoes, they would demand to work on something that was more high profile, which lets you know that they didn't deserve to be in that position, that they were egotistical. So, so no, you, you work on what you're assigned to. And and that's what I did. And, and I don't regret that. But the environment support was almost non-existent. So pausing for a moment, Coming forward from 2003 was where my story began today up until now where I just jumped up to like the late 2010s to just point out the fact that there has been an ongoing downward trend when it comes to support, whether it's direct leadership or support. Uh, uh, on the t- uh, from leadership on the team, support within the actual team, support with the next layer of leadership beyond our director uh, so, uh, and manager, and support across the organization as a whole. I, the The whole support of UX thing is starting to become practically non-existent. But now let's step back to that previous one because it's it's worth mentioning. This is an environment where I was getting support from the leader over the entire team. Uh, I actually did some work on that team that resulted in leadership in the organization starting to understand what UX was. I vaulted the UX maturity forward by light years. And they said, if what this guy is doing, if this is what UX can do for us, here's a blank check. The team actually almost tripled in size shortly thereafter because of, of what was done on a project that we were working on. But then the the support from other team members started to wane. The people who got hired because of the blank check, they were not supportive. Uh, people who were on the team when I came on board and started to see the impact I was having, 
they weren't supportive. And so this was just another one of those situations where, I mean, there was one person who actually did no work on any projects and spent more of her time trying to destroy me than doing any work that, that she was responsible for. Pretty interesting stuff. True, true story. So again, downward trend, downward trend, downward trend, downward trend. Prior to the, the other one that I mentioned where the person thought that I should have been doing more high-profile work was a wonderful situation. And this is where I started to get my hope up again because I went to work for this company and I worked for a boss who did not know anything about UX. This is the first time where I worked for someone who was not a UXer and didn't know anything about UX, but they were emotionally intelligent to understand that it's important to bring somebody in who does know it and to just let me run free and do my thing. And, and, and this person was the most, the best boss I ever had in my life. I've had some other good bosses, but nobody topped this guy. And interestingly, he was not a UX professional, but he knew what he didn't know. And it did not hurt him to hand the reins over to somebody else. And they said that we had the best run UX division in a company with over 385,000 employees at the time. And I owe that to him. The support was off the charts, 100%. And, and this is 100% support, even in an in environment where the engineers were like, we don't need you. What are you doing here? They were very hostile, but we built that UX operation in the States. I had some counterparts in Europe and in other parts of the world, in the Asia Pacific, and and uh, EMEA uh, and, and over in Brazil, places like that. Uh, I had counterparts over there and I would interact with them from time to time, but I was responsible for the operation here in the States and they didn't want anything to do with UX whatsoever, but we still built that and we had a reputation. It got to the point we went from, we don't need you. Why are you here? We've always done it this way. To, hey, where's Darren? Why is not Darren in this meeting? Somebody go and get Darren, see if he's available. We, we got to the point where engineering would not move without having UX present. And, and that was something else that I'm very, very proud of and excited about. But the, the support system off the charts to the extent that we were doing work for an external client one time licensing one of our products to an external client and I came into that project and the, as is the case, the first thing I wanted to do was I wanted to identify what the business requirements were. I wanted to get some understanding about the users and then branch out from there. But I want to lay a nice solid foundation for what we were doing to work on. Cause they were working with a little bit of a different group than, than what we were with, with this product that was being branded for them and I found out nobody had any documented requirements. I found out that there was a developer who had been trying to design, as a lot of time developers do. They, they, they want to be designers, and they try to stick their toes in the, in the swimming pool of designers. And there's just too much they don't know. It, it, it's, I don't care what you do know. There's too much that they don't know. And, and if we're going to make things work, everybody has to stay in their lane. Otherwise, it's going to be a lot of accidents and a lot of traffic jams and a lot of crazy stuff. That metaphor plays well there. But at any rate, I had to take that person's attempt at designing, 
translate them into requirements, and then translate those requirements, which I did bounce off of that person to confirm that I got it right, and I translated that back into wireframes. When I took these wireframes, presented them to the team, and walked them through the wireframes, they lost their minds. Why did they lose their minds? Did they think that my recommendations were inappropriate? Actually, they did. Did they think that I was off my rocker? Yeah, they did. Did they think that I should be kicked off the project? Actually, to an extent, they did. Was it because I did a bad job? No. You know why? They thought that the wireframes were the final design recommendations. They had no idea what a wireframe was. <laughs> that's, that's why. The reason I share this part of the story was because of the support. The 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 goodwill that I had gained from my engagement with the engineers. Because by this time, my former boss, I think he was on the verge of leaving, the one that was my be the best boss I ever had in my career. But I had earned such a strong reputation with the engineers that the engineers, I had phenomenal stakeholder support. And they let this big name client, by the way, which I'm not going to share, extremely big name client. If I said the name, you'd recognize them immediately. They let them know, no, these, this is not the final design. These are wireframes and they are created to help us to gain alignment on the architecture, on the structure for the experience. We'll put the presentation layer on it later. They came back and told me what happened. We averted all of the, all the disasters that were starting to set themselves up. If, if nobody had run interference for me, if nobody had supported me, I would have been thrown out on my head. Sadly, that's what happens today because you have people, because there's such a support system void in 2024, on average, in the vast, vast, vast majority of UX operations, that people don't know how to run interference or they can't run interference or they're so politically bankrupt that they refuse to run interference and then you end up out on your head. So it's interesting how that works. And so this, this was a fantastic thing for me. I started to build more confidence. I started to have more and more support uh, until I was kept from getting a director, a director position at this company because people didn't want to be accountable to what I knew. So uh, that eventually support started to wane a bit when my boss left. It started to wane. I ended up with a new boss and he was pretty good because there were, I mean, I had the HR department was coming after me, not because I did anything wrong, because they're, frankly, there was pretty racist, a lot of racism in that particular operation. And they started coming after me for nothing just because they just wanted to. I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't break any rules. I wasn't engaging in discriminatory behaviors and practices. They were just racist. And so they just started coming after me and they tried to recruit him to join in on their character assassination. But this guy was so sharp. He was so sharp that he just, he listened to what they said, but he was so emotionally intelligent that he watched them, but he also watched me. And he came back and he told me about this later. So this is not, this is not me making something up. This guy let me know eventually what it was that they were doing, how that he was not buying in, thanked me for what I did, supported me. I still regret leaving that company to this day because 
Whereas the other person was the best boss I ever had. This guy was easily going to become the second because of the support that he gave me. Um, But unfortunately, I did end up leaving that organization. But his support was great. But he would not partner with what they were trying to do. And I think that was just fantastic. But that was pretty much the end. It's been very rare. It's happened a few times. But it's been very rare that I've seen... Not only with me, make sure everybody understands this, but with other people I've talked to, I talk to people without using the term support system. I've evaluated what the support systems have been like in their UX environments, on their UX teams. And and based on my observations and the data that I've gained over the years, there is a huge support system void in the 2020s. When it comes to UX, I I worked on another team, just my stories give you here where the team started out okay in general. And they, they started out talking a good game, but when the time came to actually delivered, um, the, the team wasn't very at the director's level. They, They got promoted into a position they really weren't ready for. So it's hard for people like that to support somebody at, with my background People who don't have much UX expertise can support people that are new, which is why people who are mid-level and lower get hired into a lot of the the average UX role today because the people who are in charge don't have the background and don't know how to support somebody who is what we would call to from a conversational standpoint, had this discussion earlier this week too, as a real senior. People who are more seasoned in in their practice, they don't know how to engage with people who've been doing this stuff for over 20 years. So people who've been in UX for only 20 years, and for the record, some of you are approaching that, you're approaching the 15 year, you're over 12 years, and your bosses who have three, four, five years of experience, or zero, in many cases, they don't know what to do with you. They don't know how to support you. They, somebody who's been doing, who's been in, in corporate America or, or the corporate environment, and enterprise for over 15 and 20 years, and you've over only been in that position for one, they can't even look at you and, and really don't know how they have a trouble. They have trouble respecting you because you haven't demonstrated anything to respect, frankly. And so they know this. So they try to, they, they're very standoffish. Ageism comes into play, a lot of things like that. So it's really weird. But the one environment I went with, there was a hostile set of stakeholders uh, the internal UXers I work with, they were fantastic. They were superb. We covered each other's back every chance we got. But leadership, the direct leadership wasn't supporting us properly. The 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 leadership on the on the projects we were working on a lot of times weren't supporting us properly. The UX leadership, they were politically bankrupt. So when you have to you have to find out how strong a UX leadership team is when it comes to politics in an organization, because if they're bankrupt and something goes down, you could end up being made the sacrificial lamb. You could be made to suffer. This is real stuff that nobody's talking about, but it's it's huge. Uh, I remember another situation where we were trying to labor to bring a, a UX research solution in uh, most notably and and directly we wanted to get a license was one of the leading remote usability testing resources 
And and so we were leading this charge. We were we were doing all our due diligence. We have to follow some internal processes to go before a committee to get approval uh, to even begin to try to ask for a license. And, and it's funny. Um, before we even got to that point, sort of backtracking, we were what we were doing with research prior to that was I gave the team some ideas on what to do prior to this whole remote usability testing bit. And one minute, these people thought they were doing research by asking people what they liked. That wasn't research at all. So of course I let them know that that wasn't going to, that wasn't going to fly. These groups of, or this team, I should say, they were destroying any potential relationships with internal stakeholders. Matter of fact, I found out that most of the stakeholders didn't want anything to do with the UX team. The UX team did not know how to build, manage, and maintain relationships with stakeholders. And we were designing for a UX department of over a thousand people at the time. So they, you know, you, you gotta have sound relationships. You can't destroy relationships. You can't throw your weight around. You can't bully anybody. You have to be diplomatic. Uh, you have to be practical. You have to be pragmatic. It, it's these things are going to be critical. And so, interestingly, we worked on one project, and I got them to go beyond the standard bit of of just asking people what they think. Made everything very task centric, and they loved this approach. They loved the information I was giving them. We're talking about internal support, actually, right now. We'll get to the remote usability in a minute. But interestingly, when I gave the team my support, they responded by going before the stakeholders, reporting out on all the data. We, we actually set up a mobile lab through my recommendation. We set up a mobile lab for people to come in, perform tasks so we could understand how to proceed with our initiative. By the time they reported out on the findings, they completely removed me as being part of the team removed any memory of me from the internal stakeholder and then tried to take credit for the entire thing. This is one of those things that's become very commonplace today. When people do have a senior on their team, they try to to eliminate the senior's operation. They try to eliminate the senior's presence. They try to, to eliminate the senior's existence. Basically, that's not very supportive. And and when UXers don't support one another the right way, that bodes in a bad way. That actually is going to have tremendously detrimental impact upon that UX practice internally. Really, really terrible stuff. Uh, and, and when we did start to pursue the remote usability testing, we were actually going back and forth. Do we want to have a usability lab? a permanent lab to bring people in and do stuff with, or do we want to do remote usability testing? And we leaned toward the remote usability testing. We thought it would be more practical. We thought it would be more uh, better on our budget, things of that nature. And and so we began to pursue that. Now, interestingly, when we tried to do that initially, our leadership was supported, was very supportive, I should say, with that. He helped me to understand the internal processes, again, to get that done, backtracking to there. Got a ton of support from the people on the committee, but initially we didn't get support from the leadership beyond our leader because this person had been doing design for mainframe for years and for some reason thought he'd equate that with what we were trying to do and said that because they didn't have remote usability testing that we didn't need it. They don't make remote usability testing for mainframe and designing for mainframe is not like designing for a full-fledged digital resource, a, a SaaS 
solution. And, and that was just ridiculous. And sometimes you have to deal with these power struggles and these, these ego oriented types of back and forth, things of that nature. But what happened was eventually, I mean, the fact we get, didn't get any support from that person and eventually bypassed them, was able to bypass them. We, they won out. It, it was interesting that when it was resurrected, because he shot us down, when this was eventually resurrected, somebody helped initiate the pursuit and they did the same thing that the previous folks did. And, and this happened at the same company, by the way. But it was interesting that they removed me from the equation when they were trying to get the license again. It was like I had never done any prior research. I had, I had none, none of the data that was being used came from me. Again, if you want to thrive as a UX operation, you need to support one another. If you have senior people on the team, get on the back of that senior person and ride them to glory because that senior person knows how to interact with people in higher levels of leadership. These people know how to engage. They know how to speak the language of people in the higher levels of leadership. And and if you don't piggyback on the seniors, if you don't have a true senior on your team, you're going to be hit. You're going to be at a deficit anyway. And if you don't learn how to how to partner with them, then that's going to hurt you. It's really interesting how that happens. Uh, and I was at that same company trying to establish a UX intranet and somebody fought against it and come to find out they fought against me. One of the team members, not leadership leadership told me to go for it. They were giving me support, but the person who was fighting it, one of my peers was fighting it because they had been taking downloads from me and presenting them to people in higher levels of leadership telling them things they were learning from me as if it was their own thoughts. And so the the UX internet was going to actually expose them as being a fraud. So not very supportive. <laughs> and again, now we're fat, we're, we're well beyond those initial years I was talking about and to get support from people in leadership, practically non-existent, practically non-existent. And the last story that I have to help understand the, the trending and again, I'm telling you my stories because these are things that I saw, but I talked to people throughout all of these years, and there's a ton of things I've heard from them that parallel the same exact thing. So these stories that I'm sharing really helped to illustrate what was happening at a broad scale. So again, it's not just me. A lot of people are experiencing the same things. And a lot of times when I tell these stories, people will actually reach out to me and tell me that they were experiencing the same things about the same time. But this last one is really amazing to me. There was a team member who approached our leader because they wanted to address UX maturity. I had already mentioned the same thing and actually was going to start a UX intranet to help to help us to tackle UX maturity level issues. It's a strategy I always use, and I think it's a great way to help drive UX maturity in any organization. If you don't have a UX intranet, you need to have one. It, it, it's huge. So I'm already trying to do it. But then another person on the team. Now, I, I told everybody about what I was doing, and I welcomed everybody to be a part of what I was doing. I'm going to partner. I'm going to collaborate. I'm going to be supportive wherever I am and whatever I'm doing. That's the case. This person had other ideas, though. And this person reached out to somebody else in the at-large UX community to get ideas from them about what to do. So they were starting a separate initiative to drive UX maturity at that organization, but they the person never came to me. 
I actually got this person their job, by the way. They were my recommendation. The person didn't include me, didn't tell me what they were doing. I found out through somebody else. They were partnering with this other person, this other person who actually has a, and this is going to be what we're going to get into next week. If we don't have another insertion of topic next week, this person makes me look bad any chance they get. This person seems to engage in one upsmanship every chance they get. And and so this person, of course, was going to welcome this. This person should have said, have had you talked, have you talked to Darren? You should be working with Darren on this. Instead of that, the person bypassed me completely. This is not how you support one another. And to my knowledge, the two of them came up with a strategy. Now, I don't know if the current leadership was aware of the fact that this person had gone outside the company or not. So I can't speak to whether or not they were they were complicit in this. But what I will tell you is the end of the story. The end of the story is that initiative failed. I don't think anybody on that team is still with that company anymore. They did not convey anything. By going around somebody, the person knew that UX maturity is my thing. But instead of instead of partnering with somebody who was already deeply embedded in it, they decided to do something differently and it failed. Partnering with your people you have in-house, if you're bringing somebody in from outside, at least collaborate and let some other people know. It, we need to support one another. In closing, I can't say this enough. If you want your UX operation to be successful, you need to support first the UXers that are in-house. You need to help drive UX maturity as a group throughout the entire organization, no matter how large or how small your organization is. But there is a complete, almost a complete dearth, a complete void with UX support systems these days, which is why I was doing the UX Chit Chat Hour for a while, because just to come together to speak with other UXers from time to time puts wind in your sails and helps put you in a position to better overcome, to be more successful in your operation as a UX professional. Do not take support lightly. It is our lifeblood as UXers today. So find the support systems as you can. And please note, we're not talking about finding a support system that's chock full of toxic positivity. We're talking about realism. We're talking about accountability. We're talking about being strong fundamentally. We're talking about having high levels of self-awareness, and, and then embracing what you see and devising proper and ethical ways to move forward. And when you do that, it helps to drive yourself forward. It'll help drive your team forward. It'll help drive the discipline forward. And then we're in a better position. And as a matter of, to, to cope with all this stuff that's going on out in the, in the world of UX now, but also you won't have, I'd venture to say, you won't have the layoffs you have now. Because one of the reasons we had all these layoffs was because that's what the UX teams dictated. The UX teams drove themselves into a high layoff format because they didn't bring value. They were engaged in self-preservation. They were engaged in egotism. They were engaged in UX celebritism. They were engaged in being order takers and doing whatever they could to keep their checks coming. When you want to keep your check coming, bring value. You want to keep your check coming, represent the discipline properly. This is what we need to do today because right now the discipline's upside down. Can it be restored? Yeah, but it has to be. It's capsized. 
UXed his capsize today. We need to turn the ship over. We need to right the ship. And if we right the ship, we'll be in better shape and we'll be in a better position to affect everything in the discipline at large. So that is all the time we have for today. Thanks again for taking the time to listen on today. And uh, I actually, by the time this episode comes out, I will be speaking at the Convey UX conference at Seattle. So uh, if you're in Seattle for the conference, I hope to be able to uh, chew the fat with you a bit and and to say hello, uh, to greet you. And uh, so it's also available via uh, virtual. There, There is virtual attendance available. So we hope you're able to chime in to the conference. There is a great lineup at this particular conference. Can't say this about a lot of conferences today, uh, but uh, this one is, is is pretty sweet. And I'm, I am honored to be a part of the, of the lineup at this event. But until next week, folks, that is it. Until then, this is the host of the World of UX signing off. Happy UXing, everybody. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.